Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. The image you just saw is one of the most disturbing images that I have found on the internet. I'm going to ask Brian to pop it up there one more time for you. As I looked upon this picture, there were a couple things that caught my attention. Number one, it's obvious that this young person has faced some type of trauma. We don't know what it was. In my mind, I imagine it was a war, some kind of battle. This young child was hurt and in my mind, they've lost part of an arm, and the other has been extensively damaged. But the one that really hits me is how harsh the picture is. The harshness is seen not only in the image itself, but it's also seen in the words. I tried to edit it down so that you wouldn't see it quite as pronounced what this young child wrote. But the question when I saw this was, why? Why would a young child have this kind of animosity, this kind of hatred toward God? Where did this child learn it? Where did it come from? At what point did this child decide to blame God for what had happened in their life? The longer I look at this picture, and I save it on my iPad, so every once in a while, inadvertently, I'll stroll through my pictures, and there it is. It reminds me of how many individuals find it to be a challenge to believe in a God that intervenes in our world. I imagine in my mind that this child was taught very early on in life that God intervenes in our world that God can be relied upon. You can pray to God. You can ask God for things. And God may or may not respond. But because of this idea of an interventionist God, that God somehow intervenes, then you, the possibilities of blaming God and praising God are just as real. You can praise God and thank God for all the great things that happen in your life. And there are some individuals that blame God for the unexpected and untimely death of a person, the loss of a job, the diagnosis of a serious illness. All of these come into play. And that's why more and more individuals are doubting 
if God is the one who intervenes in our world, if that's the kind of God we really worship, that we really believe in. Some of you may be saying, wait a minute, Tony. All you have to do is open up the Bible, and there you will see how God intervenes in the lives of people, how God intervenes in nature. It's right there. They can point out that in Exodus, we see the account of a burning bush because God has intervened and chosen not to allow this bush to burn up. Interesting. Go a little bit further on, and you come into the books of Joshua and Judges, and in there you will find another story about how there's a battle going on, and with the hope of bringing the battle to an end, they pray to God, and God miraculously causes the sun to stand still. Today, we know that if that was truly to happen, some amazing and less than desirable things would happen to our planet. You can read about in the Bible where people are brought back from death. I think about Elijah who brings back a child who had fallen ill and then had died. You move into the New Testament and it's inundated with miracle stories that Jesus and then after Jesus, his followers do. And these stories of God intervening in our world, they create this tension with many individuals. On the one side, this side that it's in the Bible, so it should be trustworthy, that somehow you need to believe it because it is in the Bible. But then on the other side, there's science, there's reason, and you go, how, how can I explain this? And so this tension exists on how active is God in our world. And not only that, but when you go, turn to the Bible, and when you also ask individuals in their day-to-day -day life, does God reveal God's self to them? Well, in the Bible, the answer is resounding yes. Most definitely, God reveals God's self to us. The challenge is, some of the things that God does reveal according to the Bible. God tells his chosen people to go destroy entire cities. Genocide. We read in the Bible how God says that if a child is disrespectful to their parents, stone them. A woman caught in adultery, stone her. They like stoning people in the Bible for some reason. But this idea that it is God behind all of this, that it is God who intervenes and does things through nature and people's lives, and at the same time, this God speaks to individuals. And this isn't just a past phenomena. It happens all the time. 
This last week, I watched a series on Netflix. It's the story of Lori Fallow, or Lori Draybill. It's a woman who believed that God spoke to her. She had conversations with angels. And out of those conversations, it led her to kill two adults and two children. Those children were her own. She is right now sitting in prison awaiting trial because she sincerely believed that it was God who told her to do this. Was it? If God intervenes and God reveals God's self, God speaks to people in the Bible, then why not today? And who gets to decide if it is or isn't God? This kind of challenge causes many people to walk away from that image of God. The idea that we serve a God who is hands-on, who is the ultimate chess master. People can no longer accept that. Perhaps, and you've heard it here, that there's this rise of what we call the nons. Individuals who are no longer affiliated with the church. They identify as not belonging to anything. What's interesting is the majority of those individuals still believe in some type of God. Not the traditional God that has been handed down, but a God that is somehow higher than them, beyond them, but be how God intervenes and interacts in our world, they are not sure. Many of them doubt that God does that. But why is it? Why is it that these individuals are leaving church? I'm done. And identify as a non. I want nothing to do with this. Could it be that they no longer feel like they fit? They no longer belong. And if they were to share with other people their questions and their doubts and their concerns about God, that people might look at them funny. I mean, the majority of us prefer to go without, con without conflict in our lives, so why stir it up, especially at church? And unfortunately, people dismiss this idea of God and then walk away from religion altogether. Maybe, maybe there's another option for them. You see, the phenomena that we're seeing happen right now in our world, this is nothing new. People have questioned the character of God the actions of God for thousands of years. 
And again, wrestling to those two ideas, is God transcendent beyond us, or is God imminent, a part of our world? Does God intervene, or is God off to the side? That has been a question that previous generations have really wrestled with. But unfortunately, the church has not been a place where that wrestling match can take place. So that's why today and the next few Sundays, we're going to be looking at options. Different ways in which you can understand God if you walk away from the idea that God intervenes in our world or God speaks to people. Now, if you believe that, hold on to it. As long as it works for you, hold on to it. If it doesn't work for you, rather than walking away from religion, I encourage you to realize that there's other ways to think about God. Today, I want to share with you a little bit about deism. Literally, the word from Latin is deus. And it's the, just basically God. That's it. The easiest way to explain this idea of God is seen in this slide right up here. It's a slide. Well, let's go to the watchmaker one. Thank you. They view God as the ultimate watchmaker. In their mind, God is the ultimate source behind the world. Now, deism arose in the 18th and 19th century. That's when it came about. They didn't understand evolution yet. But when they looked at nature around them, they believed that there had to have been some source, some ultimate entity that was responsible for this. So they called this individual God. And they saw God as this ultimate watchmaker. God is the one who makes our planet. God is the one who is responsible for the life on our planet. And then God takes the watch and he winds it up. And he sets it down and he steps back. He's done. There's no need to mess with the watch. It's perfect. All the intricacies of the watch work incredibly well. The watch will run by itself. And that's how deists see God. They believe that God created our world, or today they would say because of evolution, God is the ultimate source or the force that is responsible for evolution. If you would, God is the one who kickstarts it, God is the one who gets it going. And God created that and used his force in such a way 
that the world would evolve and become what it is today. But there's no need for God to mess with it. You see, they believe that our world, it follows the pattern that has been set forth from the very beginning. Think about your DNA. Have you ever tried to modify your own DNA? That would be interesting, wouldn't it? To modify your own DNA so that you might function better. Now, we might complain that we have certain characteristics in our DNA, but it's who we are. We're stuck with our genes. At least for now, science, that's, we're limited. And many individuals believe that when you look at nature, it operates on that kind of a code. There is no need for intervention. And the core value of deism is reason. They said if you just look at our world, if you look at all the different expressions of life, your mind will tell you that there has to be something beyond ourselves responsible for it. And your mind will tell you what truth is. Deists put the highest value upon reason. However, that often becomes a problem with other Christians. A leader of another denomination said the following, if you hear this statement, be careful. Here's the statement. Don't believe anything that can't be supported by human reason. This religious leader said, if you hear that, you better start walking away. Hear it again. Here's the statement. Don't believe anything that can't be supported by human reason. Then the author said the following. The idea that is found in this statement is Satan's method and the number one weapon in his arsenal. According to this individual, the greatest temptation that you will face as a Christian, is to trust your reason. The writer went on and said the following, it is a masterpiece of Satan's deceptions to keep the minds of men searching and conjecturing in regard to that which God has not made known and in which God does not intend that we shall understand. So this idea is that really your reason can't be trusted. If you have doubts, if you wonder how in the world a, burn can, a bush can burn and burn and burn, that isn't for you to figure out, folks. Just trust 
Have faith. Believe. And for some people, they can do that. But for others, nah, they can't. It no longer works for them. That's why deism steps in and says, wait, there's other ways to look at God. It's not that they don't believe in God. They do believe in God. But how God intervenes in our world is different for them. That's why some of these individuals, they see God as transcendent, this watchmaker, steps back and lets things just happen. That's why they have challenges and difficulties when it comes to the Bible. They don't see the Bible as being from God. And again, that may make many of us uncomfortable because we grew up believing differently. If you believe that, hold on to that belief. If it works for you, hold on to it. But if it doesn't, know that you are not alone. In fact, you stand in the company of Thomas Jefferson. Many of the founders of this country were deists. You know, there's been a lot of discussion about Christian nationalism. Now, are we a Christian nation or not? Well, the challenge is, is that many individuals who point to our forefathers and say, well, they were Christians. Well, yes, and they were deists. In fact, if you read the Declaration of Independence, the words that are used for God seem to hint to the idea that the writer was a deist and chose those words very carefully. Thomas Jefferson said the following. He said that the Gospels, now this is hard to hear, the Gospels were ignorant, unlettered men who laid a groundwork of vulgar ignorance, of things impossible, of superstitions, fanaticisms, and fabrications. He famously crafted Jefferson, because of that, his own Bible. Google sometimes the Jefferson Bible. You know what you'll find? He went through and he cut out all the miracles because why? His view of God was deism. God started it all. God did it perfectly. So why does God need to intervene and change things? God just lets it keep on running. That's why Jefferson went through and just cut all that stuff out. And what he left was the essence, what he believed was moral and ethical truths that are eternal. Now, is God, is, is God is, are the deists right? Do we have a, a distant God? You know, do, do, do we have this God who we're over there and this God is over here and just kind of sitting there? 
If so, what, what value is this God? When you're having difficulties in your life, who are you going to turn to? That's why many people find this idea of God unpalatable. But one of the things the deist would say in return is, well, when you start questioning why bad things happen, it's just part of life, they would tell you. God is not responsible. Satan is not responsible. It's just life. One of the greatest challenges, I believe, in our country will be the moral well-being of us, its people. Will we continue to treat one another with compassion, with justice and concern? The challenge is, is that if more and more people are walking away from religion because they don't know there's other options, if they don't know that there's other ways to consider, to think about God, if they never hear that, then the only option they've got is the exit door. But if they know that there is a place where they can share ideas with others, where their doubts and their questions are not going to be looked down upon. Then maybe they will continue to see the benefits of religion. And folks, there are real benefits of religion in our world. Thomas Jefferson, by the way, was a theist, so strongly believed in that. I mean, here's a man who cuts up the Gospels, but this story is said to have happened. In the late 1900s, there was a new exhibition that was opening at the Library of Congress, and one of its displays features a report by a man who encountered President Thomas Jefferson Ready for this? On his way to church, carrying a large red prayer book. The friend asked why Jefferson would attend church since he did not believe a word of what was preached there. And this is Jefferson's answer. Sir, no nation has ever yet existed or been governed without religion, nor can be. The Christian religion is the best religion that has been given to man. And I, as a chief magistrate of this nation, am bound to give it the sanction of my example. Here is a man who saw God differently than the vast majority of people around him, and yet he saw the value of people coming together. Let 
the day in which a, a minister would stand up front and tell people what to believe is gone. Does it happen? Yes. But a lot of people are walking at the back door because they say it is happening. Thank the internet and Al Gore for that. People can get on the internet and they can, they can fact check immediately what they're hearing. Some of you right now might be on your phone Googling deism. But that does not diminish the value of belonging to a community where people can come together and share their doubts, their questions, their hopes, their dreams. For those of you who are here right now, this next part is not for you. You can, you can listen in if you want. But I want to talk to those of you who are watching who maybe in the past have visited Church of the Beatitudes or perhaps are pondering it. The reason I value being a minister here is because of these people. These individuals have years of experience under their belt. And those years of experience have not made them less relevant. It's made them more relevant. I continue to be amazed by the words that come out of their mouths. They have ideas about God. You can tell that they've thought and they've reflected. And so to be a part of a community like this, I had one young person recently come into our church and they looked around and they said, well, demographically, age-wise, I don't, I don't fit. And I so felt like saying to them, aren't you lucky? Because you are surrounded by people who can challenge you, who can support you as you continue on this windy journey of life. I'm not sure what you believe about God. But if you have questions and doubts, more than likely someone seated next to you or further away from you is or has walked on that path before you. Now is our opportunity to continue to come together. Because ultimately, Thomas Jefferson was right. Religion creates better people. And better people create a better nation. And better nations create a better world. And folks, we need
We need a better world. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. 